Well, Lord, sometimes our insides feel like battle zones, and there's just missiles falling way too close to us. And, and other times we feel like we're caught in this endless storm of thoughts, and they're flying out of control, and it's confusion, and it's raining, and it's defeat creeping in. And, uh, but Lord, you call us away from worry. You called us away from worry like, I don't know, 400 times in the Bible or something like that. Because it tempts us to depend on ourselves rather than to seek you in our trouble. It robs us of our joy. It suffocates our peace. It leaves us feeling powerless. And you did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. You have given us a spirit of power and love and sound judgment and personal discipline. And worry and anxiety doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow but it really does drain the energy that you gave us to deal with our problems and our responsibilities for today. So we, we need your peace, um, the deep down in our heart kind of peace that says that day and night you will be with us in all of our walks through life. Calm our if-onlys and our what-ifs and our why-me's and, and fill us Fill us with your peace. We know that trust is a big part of experiencing peace, so we declare our trust in you. We declare our trust in you. Help us to release the reins of our life so that you can take control. We need more of you, Lord. We need less of self-reign. We admit that we can't control people, plans, even all of our circumstances, but We can yield these things to you, and we can focus on your goodness, and we can rest in the reality that no problem is too big to handle with a big God by our side. We trust you can and will bring good out of every circumstance if we only let go, give it to you, and believe in you. Let our concerns prompt us to pray and give thanks instead of worrying. Because when we do, you've promised that We can experience the kind of peace that passes all understanding. That's your kind of peace, Lord, and it's the kind of peace that we crave. So whenever we're stressed, anxious, afraid, help us to remember to run to you, knowing that you will not only give us peace, Lord, but you'll be our peace. And we want to rest in the palm of your hand, Lord, knowing that you'll be there. And so we thank you for the promise in Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We believe that, Lord. Bless this hour. Use it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, that's why I gave you the picture. Do you have the picture of the hand of the the little vulnerable child in the hand of God. Um, It's a picture that I go to a lot in my own life. Um, It's on the wall of my office. And um, it says says a lot. Um, When we're anxious, we rest in the palm of his hand, knowing it's a big hand, knowing that he receives us, that we can find our rest and our strength there. Well, you know, Paul had a little bit of stress because there were people fasting and refusing to eat until he was dead. And then he writes from prison, on trial for his life, you know, be anxious for nothing. Yeah, it's 365 times in scripture that God basically says, fear not for I am with you. Huh. So I want to talk about finding peace in a chaotic world. Um, But before we get to solutions, I want to... I want you to understand the problem of stress, fear, anxiety, worry. They showed up in Genesis 3. Immediately after Adam and Eve exercised their God-given free will to defy their dependence on their infinitely good, loving, strong, able creator, provider, protector, sustainer, father, and friend in favor of their own independence. They believe Satan's first and favorite lie, and I'm sure we all have fallen for this one, that we don't need God. 
that we can find security, satisfaction, significance apart from the Lord through our own solutions and our own human wisdom. How does that work? (laughs) I mean, that's why we're all anxious, right? It just doesn't work. And that's when you read the first time in the Bible that people were afraid. We, in fact, are unable to handle the physical, emotional, relational troubles, uncertainties, perplexities of this fallen world, and we cannot control the situations of our life to keep ourselves safe. And that's why we deal with stress, fear, anxiety, and worry, and that's the problem in a nutshell. We have been separated from the one that we can depend on and who is dependable. We were created to be in life with him. So I want you to understand these, the differences between stress, anxiety, worry. I want you to see how they all come together. So stress is how our body responds to a real or imagined threat, a challenge, a life change, something that disrupts our, our emotional, physical, psychological equilibrium. And, and that disruption makes us feel vulnerable. And when we feel vulnerable, our brain set off an alarm system. It's called a threat alarm. And it prompts our adrenal glands to release adrenaline and cortisol for energy, for focus, to deal with either fighting or fleeing from this problem or fixing it, right? We, we are trying to fix the threat. So this stress response system can be very self-limited, and you know that when the fear is intense, like if you have, if you're in a car accident or a near car accident or there's a lion chasing you, once the threat's passed, you're, you know, you have that adrenaline for about a few minutes, but all of a sudden you feel it calming down, right? And you return to normal and your peace resumes. That's how it's meant to work, but today we deal with this different kind of fear. And it's a low-grade condition that annoys, it irritates, it distracts, it keeps us from really enjoying life. It's an accumulation of, of smaller stresses, and we call that distress or anxiety. Because, you know, we face a multitude of demands every day. I mean, it's daily workloads, busyness, uh, oh, performance expectations and desires to be perfect and perform well, time crunches, frequent job changes, home relocations, um, an economy where making ends meet becomes more and more difficult every year, family demands, health concerns, relational concerns, um, conflicts, uh, society consumed by materialism, and there's so many marketing pressures that are always saying we have to have the biggest and the best and the biggest and the best, and that creates stress. There's pressures from social media and always being connected, from traffic and long commutes, 24 hours a day, bad news stations, high divorce rates, decreasing marriage rates. I could go on and on. There is a huge cost to daily living in this high-pressure environment. Drip, drip drip of stress and it begins to really build up. It accumulates to the point of us feeling anxious. Anxiety is a mental tension of vulnerability, of being out of control like we can't control life. And, and our lack of confidence to be able to cope with life. So now I want you to realize that it feels the same as fear. But the problem is that there's no specific imminent danger. There's not a lion chasing you, and you didn't just have a car accident. These are the normal stresses of life accumulating. So anxiety often expresses itself in worry, right? As we try to avoid or solve anticipated, imagined, usually, potential fearful events in the future, things that we think are going to be fearful. I have the ability to say that somebody in this room came to see me this morning very anxious about a situation. And I was encouraging her that you don't know how this is going to play out, and she just came and and saw me, and she said, yeah, they didn't come. 
No one came. Oh, so you worried for nothing. You were all stressed out for nothing. That's what worry looks like. It's out there, you know? It's based on what might happen. The what ifs. Oh, and then we end up, we're really, when you do this, when you worry, you are manufacturing more anxiety. You're dwelling on the negative possibilities, and you're manufacturing more anxiety, and your stress gets deeper and deeper. So although we have stress, as we worry, we magnify that. We worry in hopes of controlling the future, but it only keeps you stuck in the problem, and it affects you physically and mentally. It's actually self-harassment. I want you to think about that. I am harassing myself right now. (laughs) Only 8% of worry is productive, and that means that 92% of worry, and worry is a habit, 92% of the worry habit is pointless, and it only multiplies anxiety. So when I think of anxiety, I think of it as like a thin stream of fear trickling through our minds, keeping our stress hormones elevated over time, and that causes really harmful physical and psychological changes. We try to ignore them. We try to push them down until we just can't anymore. So the 2014 statistics that I found, 77% of people regularly experience physical symptoms of stress. Fatigue, headache, muscle tension, Digestive problems, increased illness due to uh, because stress lowers your immune system, weight gain or loss. And 73% regularly experience the psychological symptoms caused by stress, irritability, anger, memory and concentration impairment, depression, um, heightened emotions, anxieties, uh, always crying or you know, being very emotionally expressive, lack of energy, feelings of vulnerability, powerlessness, disorder, hopelessness, and unhappiness. So, you know, each of you around the table have an individual response to the uncertainties of life. Um, It's very subjective. And you know people, and maybe you're one of them, who's very laid back. Nothing bothers you. And then you might be that person that reacts strongly to the slightest stress, God gave us each unique temperaments, um, different childhood experiences, uh, different trials, different traumas, even different brain health. So we all come at this concept of stress with different perspective to some extent. How, How much we trust, how we can trust, if our trust has been stripped away by our childhood experiences, stress is really usually a really hard thing for you. But I will tell you this, in in our fallen world and a high-stress culture, we have to be aware of stress. We have to listen to our bodies. We have to monitor our souls. And so it's very important that we give ourselves permission to feel, to need, to struggle, to allow stress and anxiety is is extremely important, and because... We have to allow it to do its positive purpose. When we feel stress and anxiety, it is a call to action. It's a call to pull out and double down on the tools we're going to be talking about tonight um, that will deal with the problem. So what you don't want to do is just continue to allow this high amount of stress to cause physical and psychological damage. We need to deal with it. So you need to be very aware. So the first thing that we're going to do, because now we're going to talk about uh, tools, tools to deal with this. And I want to first talk about tools that will decrease stress and anxieties in our bodies. This is the nurse part. Um, Well, first of all, I think we have to consider seriously God's design for the rhythm of life. Um, Life flows. And we eat healthy, we exercise, we work, we love well, we rest, we simplify our lifestyle. And, and I love, even as I've grown in this, I love First Thessalonians 4.11. It says, make your ambition to lead a quiet life. Make your ambition to lead a quiet life. 
How many of us have that ambition? Most of us are pushing harder and harder and harder and harder. And so I think this is a really important thing to think about the rhythm of your life. Is there a rhythm? Do you value this concept of of your health and allowing this concept of renewal and regeneration of your body at night in sleep or rest? And I I don't really think about sleep for myself, and I think that will help you, especially if you have anxiety, because the goal isn't sleep, really. I mean, you know, we talk about sleep all the time, but the goal is renewal. It's bodily, physical renewal. And I think that as we lay down and we give our God our bodies to renew, that we trust that he will do that. And sometimes there's more sleep involved, and sometimes there's relaxation involved in that. But the... I think as you give it to him, trust that he's going to renew your body as you spend that time, that eight hours resting, whatever that looks like. Um, You should feel good about setting personal boundaries so that your life will, yes, flow. Um, You know, boundaries that support a healthy lifestyle. You know, it's okay to go through your calendar and say yes to the meaningful things and, and it's good to feel good and, and take time to do that and say no to excesses or the things that you think are going to drain you too much and cause you to lead into more anxiety. It's important to eat well. And, and there are studies that show that if we eat healthy 80% of the time, we are going to do our bodies much good and reduce our stress. The foods that increase stress are trans fats, simple carbohydrates, refined sugars, caffeine, alcohol. Those things increase our cortisol levels, and they should be avoided if you have a stress issue. Now, if you don't, good. Go for it. <laughs> but And the other thing that decreases our cortisol level is good hydration, and that makes sense. If you have a lot of water going through your body, you don't have as much stress and cortisol. Um, and you have to be a little careful because stress will affect your appetite. It talked about the weight gain and loss. When you have stress, some people, when they're stressed, don't eat. Other people, when they're stressed, eat a lot. So we have to be very aware, and I want you to remember that desserts is stress spelled backwards. <laughs> um, now, physical activity will boost your good endorphins, um, your feel-good endorphins. So... And not only does it boost your endorphins, but it, it truly gives you uh, just a release from your daily worries, and it improves your sleep, and it gives you a sense of control over your body, your life in general. So a recent study said 30 minutes of high-intensity exercise three to five times a week was actually found to reduce your body stress 47%. So consider this better than taking some pill. Go out and exercise. Another thing, and this is going to sound very interesting, but it's learning to, and I hate this word because I never say it right, compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. You know that word? You need to think of your life. We let everything cave in in our lives, right? Everything is just there building. There's stress from this, stress from that, stress from that, stress from that. We go home, we never stop working, etc. When you compartmentalize, you think of your life as linear. So in my mind, how I do that is I think of it as a train. And trains have, yes, they have the, you know, the engine moving them, and they have a caboose, but in between are all these cars, right? And I, I think that, you know, I have a work car, a relationship car, a sleep car, a car for quiet time and prayer, a worry car even. I have a worry car. I don't spend more than 15 minutes in my worry car a day. I can always, I can come back to that car the next day. I get to go there one day a week, one day a, every, one time a day for 15 minutes. But I don't get to stay there, and I don't get to take it to the other cars. When I get done with my work car, in my work car, I think, well, is there anything I have to think about for tomorrow before I leave that work car? Then I leave the car, and I don't consider that work again until the next day. Then I might go into my relaxation car. The only car that I don't mind taking with me is my prayer, quiet time, meditation car. That's good. I can go there. 
I can let that flow throughout the whole day. But does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? It's very important for you to leave one car for another car. Give yourself permission to stop thinking about that car of life so that you can focus on the next car of your life. And if your mind wanders back to the other car, just remind yourself that you're in a different car now. You can come back to that other car tomorrow you're going to find a whole lot less stress if you can learn to compartmentalize. Another really important thing, oh, love well, laugh, share life. Who are you, are you married? Anybody married? Nobody's married. Oh, two, three people married. Okay, I probably shouldn't say this. Oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> uh, if you're married, have sex. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it releases endorphins that, and, and oxytocin, which are tremendous in calming stress. Um, you can be a little selfish sometimes. <laughs> anyway, spend time with the love of your life, Jesus, and the sympathetic support system that he gives you. He has graced you with sympathetic support people who love you, will pray for you, will share your burdens, will encourage you, will give you fresh perspective and ideas. Those things will decrease your cortisol and, and release positive endorphins. So I want to talk about rest because it's just so important and we don't do it well. And rest is something that God built into everything he created. I mean, he even gave rest to the to the ground, right? Every seven years, he would give rest to the ground. But we tend to rest less in stressful times, and we try harder and harder to handle life. And, and then we sleep, and we rest and relax, and we less, we don't get this bodily renewal. It increases our problems. So one of the things that helps me in and how I do this a lot, and I work it into my day. And when I work things into my day, you'll hear me say a lot like, um, I'll do it every time I go to the bathroom or something. If I want to work something into my day on purpose, and this sounds crazy, but where do I go most? And that I have quiet time? The bathroom. So when I do that, I, I do this little routine. I do three breaths. And, um, I, and I take this from Genesis 1-2, because in Genesis 1-2 it says, you know, now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Well, the word, the Spirit of God, in, in Hebrew is rach, breath, wind, spirit. So it says Spirit of God. So when I'm stressed or anxious... I feel like that initial earth, you know, formless, chaotic, void. And I need that breath of life to hover, to fill, to give order, to make peace. And so I, I do a breathing technique to reduce stress. I'll do three breaths when I go to the bathroom many times a day. But I, so I want you to practice this, this with me. And I want you to think that we're breathing in this spirit of life, Peace, renewal, and when we breathe out, we're going to be breathing out all the stress of the day, all the stress that we're feeling, all the stress in our muscles, all the stress in our temples. So I, I want to do this with you. I want, I want you to um, I want you to breathe out and go ragdoll. And now I want you to take a slow, deep breath in. And as you do, roll back up. Let it go and roll down. Let out all the stress. As you breathe in, you're breathing in the breath of life. You're breathing in his strength, his peace, his grace. And then you release the stress again. And as you're doing it, I hope that you're feeling more and more peaceful more and more relaxed. Could you feel it? Yes. You'll get better at it as you practice it. It's very simple, but it's, um, it's pretty profound, actually, when you realize that this is what we're seeking. We're seeking these things that the Lord would just fill us with life anew. Um, then once a day, 
if you do some breathing, relax your body, and then in your mind's eye, you picture a really safe place for you. And for me, it's that big hand of God that I gave you. That's why I gave you the picture. could be a beautiful garden because that's where you find peace and, and um, renewal or mountains or an open field with flowers in it or the beach. Um, everybody would feel like you have a place where you would feel calm and safe and serene, a place that you feel protected. And, and when you do this, you imagine all the details of your surroundings, the colors, the smells, the temperature, what you're hearing. Um, allow yourself to take in all the senses and just feel this peaceful place. And when you are there, you just stop and you know that the Lord's there with you and that you can cast your cares on God there because he cares for you. And you can pick one thing to release to him. And when I pick something to release to him, I actually watch it. I, you know, I just watch this I release just going up in, into the clouds, and I, I know he's got it, and I don't take it back. And um, I think that's another place that you can ask for something you really need as well. And when I do that, I just sort of open my heart, the door of my heart, and I honestly feel it opening, and I ask him for something that my heart needs right now. And then I just give it some time while I feel that really being filled with what I've asked for if it's peace, if it's his strength, if it's courage or um, just his love or his tenderness right now, something that I need in that moment that only he can give me. Um, So, and I know I'm always, that this is a place that he loves us to have that close relationship with him and to be calm and peaceful in that place with him. And I often think about John at the uh, Last Supper and I'm sure all the disciples are doing something else. And what's John doing? He's laying on his, his Savior's breast. And, uh, and so that's kind of my time when I lay on my Savior's breast and just uh, enjoy being close and having that personal time. Um, when I gave you a handout on scripture meditation, and it, it tells you the difference between regular meditation and, and Christian meditation in, the, in that, but... While you're doing that, and I encourage you to only meditate on, on like one a day. So you're meditating on one, but you, you want to think about it for actually like eight, ten minutes. So that, the, you know, you get beyond what you know about the, the scripture and you really let the Holy Spirit inspire your heart to know something deeper. And when you're doing it, you can also do like a progressive muscle relaxation if you're experiencing a lot of stress at the time. And in that, you would just do something like, you know, make a fist of an arm and then just let it go loose. Straighten your back, let it go loose. And, and practice really relaxing. You're going to find that when you're stressed, this isn't as easy. It sounds easy, right? It's not so easy. Um... I think the other thing that you can do if you're going through a very stressful time, visit your health food store or Amazon. There are certain things that are really good for you. Um, 250 milligrams of magnesium citrate or gluconate, 500 milligrams of calcium carbonate and citrate daily together at an evening meal is known to reduce your stress and also allow you to sleep much better. And you might want to increase that amount even more um, if, if you don't have any side effects from it because it can give you a little bit of diarrhea. There's GABA, which is referred to as your brain's natural calming agent. You can just get that at any health food store. It, in, it inhibits overstimulation of the brain, and it promotes relaxation. But there's tons of other things, passionflower, valerian, chamomile. Um, there is um, lavender. There's lemon balm. Lemon balm is very good if, it, if, if your stress affects your stomach. It, it calms an anxious stomach. And, you know, it's, they even have inhalers. And they, <laughs> seriously, they have, of all these, they'll mix the, um, the flowers and the, and the different aromas together, and they'll have, um, they'll have aromatherapy inhalers. And they work very well, from what everybody tells me. So when you need to calm down quickly, um, that really works. So if you know you're having something very stressful, um, 
It's a really good thing to do, especially if it's like something that I've only had to do that once, but it was my mom's funeral, and it was really great for me to have something that I could use to relax when I really needed it. Well, life is a long journey, girls, so, you know, fill your tanks with care and don't push yourself beyond reasonable speeds and don't hesitate to ask for help along the way. Trust your body's ability to handle stress and heal as you engage in the things we're talking about. So you can release it knowing that you're doing the right things and your body is very capable of healing itself as you do them. So you don't have to be worried because a lot of times stress causes us to worry about our bodies, right? Stress might cause us to have a rapid heartbeat or something or a, or a misbeat in our hearts, and we're always thinking about that. But tend to just not scan your bodies. Just trust that they will be healed as you do the things we're talking about today. So now I want to talk about the things we can do that are, are more in our thoughts. And when God knit us together, He knit us together so that our emotions affect our thoughts, and our thoughts affect our emotions. The emotion of anxiety creates worried thinking, and right thinking will begin to desensitize anxiety. Um, So how this happens? We perceive dangers that make us feel vulnerable, and it sets off what's called an anxiety loop. And you know it. You felt it sometime. It's a vicious thought rotisserie that we think might help us to control the future, um, free us from danger, free us from the uncomfortable feelings of fear and vulnerability. But every what if, every why me, every it's not fair, they only take us deeper into this quicksand of anxiety and fear and doubt. So... Emotions are created by your thoughts about the situation and the circumstance more than by the circumstance themselves. So, for instance, two people watch a Donald Trump speech, and they both get very emotional in very different ways. They have very different emotional responses, and those responses are based on their thoughts of Donald Trump. You're watching the same thing, but you're responding very differently because of your thoughts. That's very important because when we're talking about controlling your thoughts, that's how it desensitizes stress. So your body responds to what the mind sees, whether it's real or imagined. So if you're seeing all of these dangers, your body's responding to danger. If you are thinking better thoughts, your body's going to respond to those. So I want you to know, and if you don't get one thing out of tonight, get this out of tonight, you are not hopeless or powerless over your anxious thoughts and emotions. You can get off the hamster wheel of swirling worries and change your thoughts and change your actions. Your emotions will follow. Emotions take a couple weeks to follow. Better thoughts, better actions but they follow. You don't have to worry about it. Your body will heal as you do the right things. So, first step. Notice that you have worries, thoughts, as soon as you can. As soon as you can, get on it. As soon, when the brain, the brain just produces thought, okay? You know, your kidneys produce urine, your liver produces bile, and the organ of the brain produces thoughts. You can't stop it. When it's anxious, it creates anxious thoughts. You have to allow your brain to do that. You can't stop it. We want to try to control it, don't we? Because we don't like anxious thoughts. But we can't control it. We have to allow anxious thoughts with honest compassion and acceptance. We have to accept them not as real, But we have to accept them as a warning signal that something's threatening us. A lot of people have a hard time with that. But it's instead of saying, just say, I'm having a hard time right now. Is that so hard? I'm having a hard time right now. I'm stressed. I got too much going on or 
I'm trying too hard to do something, and it's whatever. I'm having a hard time right now. It's accepting the anxious thought. Any pressure that you put on yourself to stop those thoughts is going to be counterproductive. In fact, it's, it is our resistance and our struggle with our anxious thoughts that keep us trapped. This is very counterintuitive, but um, you have to accept it. You have to allow it. You have to, come on, come on, thoughts, it's okay. I'm not going to lay hold of you. I'm not going to be made into a victim by you. You know, you're just a drop of cortisol. Big deal. You're going to pass in a couple minutes. So you notice the thought without believing it. And you don't surrender to the thought in fear and in weakness, but you accept the thought from a position of power and action. I know what I'm going to do. Again, back to 2 Timothy 1.7, you know, he didn't give us a a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Decide that you will not conform to the worrisome patterns of this world, but that you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And grab that dangerous, intruding thought that you had no control over and tell it it's not free to wander in your house, that you will control where it goes and you're going to take it to God. And be confident that the Spirit will demolish the arguments and the pretensions of that anxious thought that, as it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So these arguments and pretensions might sound something like this. Well, if God loved you, this wouldn't be happening. If he cared, he, he wouldn't do this. Um, he's ignored your prayers. Um, God's not good. He's not fair. He's turned his back on you. Uh, God's not sufficient for the adversity that I'm facing. God doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he's brought me out here into the wilderness to die. That's, that's biblical, by the way. <laughs> the children of Israel said that. Um, so consider worries as temptations to distrust the promises, the power of God, and to trust more in our own abilities than in God's goodness and his faithfulness and his willingness or his ability to act. At the very time that we need the flow of grace to strengthen us in our weakness to deal with the difficult situation at hand, we distrust and we walk away. So the mind is a battlefield, and the enemy uses fear to keep us separated from hope and keep us separated from grace. He taunts us with doubt and negativity and discouragement and lies. Don't listen. Run to God. And tell him that, Lord, there's a situation that's just knocked me to the ground. I'm having a hard time taking my eyes off that situation and trusting you right now. And I'm, I'm feeling scared, I'm feeling weak, I'm feeling vulnerable. And I'm coming to you as a little child, and I need you, Father in heaven, and I, I need you to hold me on your lap until I feel better. And then tell him all the what-ifs and all the anxious thoughts and allow your feelings to be exposed in God's presence. This is an important visual for you to think about the things of life just knocking you down. And it's okay to get knocked down. And when you get knocked down, you've got to sit there a while. You don't just get up. I was counseling somebody and I was saying this and she, was, she said to me, she said, you don't know what you just said because she said about three weeks ago, I was in the cafeteria and I had this whole tray of food and I was walking and I slipped on something somebody had dropped and everything went up in the air and I fell down. And she said, I was laying there and everything was all over. There was chaos everywhere. And um, I just sat there for a while because I couldn't get up. But when I could get up, then I got up and I started 
cleaning it up. And that's such a visual for us because when the things of life knock us down, we, we lay there until God can just hold us on his lap until we feel a little better, until we feel strong enough to stand up and start walking again. And that walking is very, very important because Psalm 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Worry tends to make us lay down. We don't get up when we're worrying. We just lay there and ruminate. We just lay there and the thought rotisserie goes crazy. And it is not productive. So this plan of letting God strengthen us for the next part of the journey, then we get up and we keep moving because this is is the key. The key is to keep moving through the anxious times of the trial. Life is a flow. We can't stop moving. We have to sojourn with God. Worry is a warning light on the dashboards of our life that doubt is overtaking our faith. Don't lay down in fear and doubt. So what I do is I Philippians 4 it. Philippians 4 is the most fantastic um, scripture for fear. It says a number of things that I'm going to go through. The first is rejoice in the Lord always. Always Paul. Yeah. Christian joy is, is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word, in creation, and yes, even in the trials of our lives. We're not going to be happy in trials, but yes, we can be joyful in trials because God is with us. Always, Paul? Yes, always. The next piece of that verse says, The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. We already said, you know, when we're anxious... God doesn't feel near, does he? We feel like we're all alone and very vulnerable. And I, I want to put an accent on the word feel. And I, I want you to agree with me today. Feelings feel real. I want you to agree with me that God's promises are more real than feelings. We already talked feelings are created by thoughts. That's why I, you may not have gotten to that one exercise in your, um, in your table discussion. If you haven't, I really want you to do that when you go home because you're going to realize this. You can think thoughts of something in the past that was a very positive thing, and you will get positive emotions. You can think something very negative that happened in the past, and you will get negative emotions. Do you see why you can't trust emotions? And I want you to agree with me, and it's going to be hard for you, and that's why you need to agree with me now. Because when you come on it, you're going to want to trust your emotions. You're going to want to say, oh, this is terrible. And then you have to say, God doesn't care. He's not here. He's left me. He's forsaken me. No, God is near. And I, wanna, I was doing something for this next class that I'm teaching, and, and they had this really great thing, and I'd never read this, thought I'd read a lot. But they were talking about the difference between communion and, and um, just the reality. God is always with you. He's always with you. We know that fact. He'll never leave us. He lives in our heart. He's always with us. But we're not always in communion with him. And when we're not in communion with him, that's when we don't feel his presence. That's why it's so important. A lot of people will come in and, and they'll say, I, I'll say, um, you know, How's your time with the Lord? Oh, I just, I don't, I'm too tense to have that right now. I'm too stressed out. I, I haven't been. You see, when we aren't communicating, when we're not in communion with him, when we're not in scripture and our quiet time and in prayer and considering him in our heads when we're running away from him, he's still with us. He is near, but we don't feel it because we're not communing. Does that make sense? So you have to think about that that seriously your experience of God you experience him when you're communing with him but he's always there so this truth is the Lord is near now 
this is another really important thing. Um, truth will only affect your emotions when you believe it. <sighs> the Bible attacks anxiety with truth and facts and promises and reasons. The Lord is near. That's true. That's the truth. If you don't believe it, it's not going to influence your heart. It's not going to decrease your anxiety. The Lord is near. When it's believed, anxiety and worry are going to give way to peace as we wait upon the Lord. So belief. Anxiety is all about doubt. You've got to move from doubt to belief. You've got to, you've got to say, no, I believe. I believe. I do believe. I believe. You can tell me if something's not making sense, by the way. I should have said that a long time ago. Raise your hands. We can do this as a... So the verse goes on to tell us that waiting upon the Lord involves action. I mean, it's not like we're just sitting there waiting on the Lord, right? Um, We're doing everything we can. So in every situation, it says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And dear ones, there is a command with a promise, because it goes on to say, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we turn our worry into life-giving prayer, something supernatural happens. When we deliberately choose to give our worries to God in prayer, something miraculous happens. You don't have to understand it. I can't explain it because it's a miracle, but it's guaranteed right there in that verse. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. The Lord promises that when we pray, he's going to replace our anxiety with peace. Peace that doesn't even make sense. Peace that passes our understanding. Peace that has the ability to trump our worries and silence our fears. In 1 Peter 5, 6, God tells us that when we humble ourselves, when we humble ourselves, when we're not too bullheaded or proud to ask for help, when we admit that our minds need rest from worry and, you know, worry about how to take care of all our problems because we're trying so hard, Um, we need rest from being upset all the time, and our wills need rest from being stubborn and rebellious, and when we are humble, and we admit that, and when we cry out to God, I need help, and cast our cares on him, turn him loose, open our hands. We're sitting here grabbing this, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix this. When we open our hands and let go and give it to him, he will take that burden because he cares for you. And when he takes the burden, we should feel the freedom And we know he's got it, and he's big enough to handle it. And he is going to walk us through to the other side. Ladies, as as long as we're trying to do everything ourselves, God's going to let us. Just like he did with Adam and Eve when they decided to take responsibility for their own life. And instead of making ourselves miserable trying to figure out everything on our own, I suggest that we stop. And we place our trust in him and we enter into his rest and, and abandon ourselves and our anxieties to his care because he cares for us. Um, and I think there's a piece where I think it's important for us then, after we've made that step, to do what we can and trust God with the rest. And, and I, that's why I gave you... Um, the serenity prayer handout thing. Okay, now, what I do with the serenity prayer is this. I fold my page in half. 
I mean, you can meditate on your, on your serenity prayer. And you don't have to do that. such a pretty one. But you just fold a piece of paper in half. And on one side, think about what can I control? On the other side, what can't I control? List them out in the given situation that's causing you your anxiety. What can I control? What can't I control on the other side of the page? And on the things that it says, what can you control? Hey, make a plan. Focus on solutions. This makes, there's a difference between worry and concern. We have real concerns on some things, right? We really do have a problem to address. The problem is worry is pointless, and it doesn't allow us to address it. When you do it this way, where you say, what can I control? These are the things I need to address. These are the things that, you know, God has given me to do, that I can do, and these are the things that I can't do, that I have to give back to God, and, and I have to allow him to be responsible for. So you're going to do this. On, on the side, what actions can you take to resolve the issue? Make specific concrete plans. Write steps that you're going to take, what day you're going to do them, you don't have to worry about this anymore. You've got to carry out your plan. Um, when you start, how you're going to ha- handle the potential obstacles. But this side over here, the things you can't control, one of them is going to be the outcome. <laughs> but many things you're not going to be able to control. Other people, et cetera, et cetera, they are outside your circle of concern. And those are the things that you pray away to God. And you let those worrisome, you trust he has them, you watch them float up to heaven, you know that he's got these things, and you don't have to be concerned about them. And you can do this, like we said, when you go back to your worries for 15 minutes every day if you want. But it gives you a way of understanding and making your concerns productive instead of worry is not productive. So we want to get rid of worry. We want to move to concern. If there's a real concern that you can do something about, do it. And then Paul's last word of advice, he says, finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. We want to choose more reasonable and true thoughts, thoughts that are going to bring us joy and peace. Based, And here's the difference. Our anxieties are based on uncertainties, on trying to control, on what ifs, what might happen. But these more reasonable and more true thoughts They're based on hope in God's character, his promises, and his grace. I don't know if any of you have ever read anything by Lewis Smedes, but he wrote this quote, and I I really like this. He says, there is a hope. Is there hope when hope is taken away? Is there hope when the situation is hopeless? That question leads us to Christian hope. For in the Bible, hope is no longer a passion for the possible it becomes a passion for the promise. That's beautiful. We hope in God's promises, and we wait on his promises. In Hebrews 6.19, hope is called an anchor for the soul. Hmm. What a tremendous image, this picture of an anchor giving security and stability to a ship in the midst of a storm. That's what our hope does for us. So when we're tempted to worry, to think the worst, to go to all the worst, to catastrophize, to, oh, oh no, I'm lost, I'm dashed. We have to choose a more reasonable and true thought according to the hope of the Lord. And when you read the lament psalms in the Bible, and I mean, there's many of them. Oh, all of these things are happening, but yet I will hope in the Lord for I know his character, and he'll be faithful, right? And so um, we have this just desire to remain steadfast, trusting God through present difficulties, through the pains, because we know him. We know him. And, and so we pray for faith to believe in promises. And I would 
hope that all of you would do that now. Pray every night for the next three years. It takes three, all my, all my big prayers take three years. Humility took five. It's still working. I'm still in it. But this is going to be probably a three-year prayer. Believe for faith. Pray for faith to believe in the promises of God, to be anchored in hope. That's a great prayer. Now, I want to leave you with three challenges. First of all, look ahead, knowing that every concern that is rooted in time will pass. I walk with people through a lot of really difficult things in divorces and just really difficult things. And one thing I know from sitting in my chair for all those years is that everything, every concern, every anxiety that is rooted in time will pass. This too will pass. It sounds very simple. It's very powerful. This too will pass. You can say that to yourself. Psalm 30, beginning in the fifth verse, says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. It's one of my favorite passages for anxiety because you know you see these night guards and the city towers, right? And they watch the passing of time, anticipating the coming dawn so that they would be released so that they could go home and sleep. I've worked nights a few, you know, times, and I did too. And, but, you know, the coming of the dawn was certain. It was certain. And so was our deliverance from anxiety. And there's this quote I love. It says, hope is like a bird that senses the dawn and carefully starts to sing while it's still dark. So I encourage you that as you put your hope in the Lord, to look ahead and celebrate what God's going to do. Celebrate what God's going to do. Know that this is going to pass. Know that he is going to bring you back to abundant life. He came to give you abundant life, John 10.10. The second is look up and hope. It's kind of what Dr. Yusuf said on Sunday. Did you read what I wrote? (laughs) You know, he said, stay calm and look up. Well, I had said, look up and hope. Why did Peter sink? The Bible tells us that he saw the wind and it was boisterous and he was afraid. And so take this to the bank. Where fear reigns, faith is driven away. He had faith to get out of that boat. Fear started to reign, faith was driven away. Where faith reigns, fear has no place. Fear and faith, they don't mix, guys. So when you start to sink, look up and hope. The third thing is to be productive. Focus on God, serve and pray for others, enjoy the good parts of life that God has given you to sustain you through this difficult time, and wait on God to act, knowing that your anxiety is healing in the background as you get out of the self-focused mode, as you get back and re-engage in the flow of life, as you love God, love others, and start not seeing not looking inward quite as much. On the way, there will be setbacks. There always is. Every battle has setbacks, but it's a spiritual battle, and he who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And I I have two quotes that I want to finish with, and they're really great. They're very different, but I, I really loved them both. The first one's from Henry Ford. He said, I believe God is managing affairs and that he doesn't need any advice from me. With God in charge, I believe everything will work out for the best in the end. So, what's to worry about? (laughs) And Hudson Taylor, you know him? He's a missionary to China. He was the founder of, of Overseas Missions Fellowship. And anyways, he gave this really great advice. He says, let's give up. This is, this is thought provoking. Let's give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, all right into God's hands. And then when we've given it all over to him, there's not going to be anything left for us to be troubled about or anxious about. Interesting, right? So it's, um, it was a pleasure to see you. And um, in light of this, and I thought we would finish, Paul's going to Help us to finish and give you something. It's, it's going to be a song prayer. A song prayer. 
<gasps> well, thanks for allowing me to be here. And um, just got to hear a few minutes of it. I wish I had heard the whole thing. I, ever since I was five, I, I struggled with, I've struggled with OCD. And um, um, I could tell you all kinds of stories um, about how crazy I am. But, um, um, but yeah, I, I just receive this word as, as I do this song. It's hopefully a song of courage. And um, I know a lot of times I'm guilty of viewing myself as an underdog. Um, I don't know if y'all ever feel that way. Sometimes you, you feel like you're the victim. You feel like you're the underdog. And the truth is we are sons and daughters of the king. And we are the champion. And we're supposed to win. You know, and, and when you view yourself as the underdog, sometimes your soul is poised that when you are attacked by anxiety or just um, really any trial, you know, you're much more likely to give way. And, um, but like a champion, if the other team was, you know, competing against them and started to do better, but they're supposed to win, they go, hold on, hold on, this is not supposed to happen. We're supposed to win and we're going to win. And, so this is a song. It's 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 really just bragging on God about how great He is. It's uh, there's no good within us, but um, but we do have His strength within us. So hopefully this will be encouraging. Um, so yeah. When I'm drowning, my hope still stands For my God walks upon the water And when I'm calling, you hear my cry Run to help me like a father When storms they rise so quick, least still you are with me. So bring on the wind, bring on the waves, my God is stronger. Bring on the flood and open the gates, my God is stronger. Trouble will come, I won't be afraid. My God is stronger, yeah. My God is stronger. And when I'm empty, you fill my cup. For you made wine out of the water. Well, you're never failing, unending love. You came and saved your sons and daughters. When storms they rise, quickly still you not with me. So bring on the wind, bring on the waves. My God is stronger Bring on the flood and open the gates God is stronger Trouble will come, I won't be afraid God is stronger And God is stronger And it's over He's overcome It's over He's overcome and greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in me. So I won't be afraid. Greater is he that's in me. So bring on the wind, bring on the waves 
My God is stronger And bring on the flood And open the gates God is stronger And trouble will come Won't be afraid My God is stronger My God is stronger So bring on the wind Bring on the waves My God is stronger Bring on the flood And open the gates My God is stronger And trouble will come I won't be afraid God is stronger God is stronger My God is stronger God is stronger God help us to see things for how they really are and when we feel overwhelmed and we can't we can't feel you when it feels like you're not there God just give us your eyes help us to know that we are champions that we are sons and daughters of the king and may we act like that and God just thank you for bringing us in comfort us when we fall strengthen us when we stand you are our only strength, but God, you are more than enough, so much that we can. We can say, bring it on, because we know that you have us in your hands. Thank you, God, and we love you. Thank you for this night. Amen.